0: We began a stewardship series uh, last week going to John 7 as we're in this season of asking, Lord, how will you work in and through our serving and in our giving in the year to come? And we looked at John 7, that time, always, God always has a time of preparation before he does a new and fresh work in and through his people. We looked at John 7 and saw those festivals and that feast, and John, Jesus is talking in John 7 about the spirit that would come, way before he ever comes. It's a season of preparation. And we'll do the same thing uh, today as we look at the importance of our prayer life as we're expecting God to reveal himself and to show us his plans and his purposes. This past week we lost a hero in the Mississippi Annual Conference, Reverend Johnny Dinus. He was a great man of prayer, retired pastor in our conference. And one of the things he said about prayer was prayer is at least half listening. The importance of being still before the Lord and allowing God to show up. As Blake just sang for us, to to seek, to seek and just to be in his presence. Or as a Bible commentator says, is thinking about that word be still and know that he's God. The Latin imperative there means to vacate, coming from a word we know for vacation. That Bible commentator said, God's calling us to stop being God for a while, allow him to be God, and to take a vacation, to play the truant, to just let him come and have his will and his way. So that's what we want to do through this series, especially in our prayer lives. So we're going to look again. I know we were in this passage a few, weeks, a few weeks ago, but to look again, how does Jesus pray? Now this, you would think, this can't be a model prayer. This is a moment of crisis. This is an emergency where he's frustrated with his best friends. No, this is a model prayer because Jesus prays so often so that when he comes to this moment of crisis, he can pray fully and beautifully and vibrantly and rightly. And so we want to look at his model here in this prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane and say, what's there for us in our own prayer life but also in this season? Well, the first thing we see here is that Jesus prays confessionally. Now listen, you would say, what do you mean Jesus prays confessionally? He, doesn't, he, he was without sin. If he has sin, his whole ministry, all his, all his teachings were a sham, and that's right. He's not confessing sin, but watch him here in verse 41. Him being absolutely true and honest with his hurts and his temptation and with his weakness before Almighty God. Would you let this cup pass? Now he knows God's ultimate purpose and his purpose in his coming is the cross. But he's letting his father know his hurts and his human weakness here. C.S. Lewis says in our prayer lives, may we let the real, may it be the real I who speaks. We must lay before God what is in us, not what ought to be in us, but to be real before him. Let's confess it. There's something right about us come coming reverently in our prayers, but sometimes I slip into this King James language. I throw in some vows and shouldn't, right? You see Jesus here being confessing and being real before God. There's a right place. You see it in Kings and in the in the prophets where there's this recitation of formal prayers. It's the right place for that. You get you get to the Psalms and there are these confessional prayers for group worship there's something right about that but Jesus 170 times, uses the word Abba father just confessing what's going on in his life before his father so much so that in Mark's gospel he uses the Aramaic to make sure we get that word jumping out at us how Jesus really said it, it was so important that when the disciples hear that they end up saying with well, the first time he says Abba one of the times he says, Abba, teach us to pray like that, that that authentic prayer before God. And so that's the reminder here. When we pray, uh, bring your real self before God with your prayers, especially in this season where you and I are saying, Lord, I don't feel adequate for what you're calling me to do, or how are you going to... How are you calling me to step up my giving? How's that going to happen? You bring whatever weakness, you bring whatever question, you bring whatever wondering you have, you bring, bring that to God. Jesus brings his real self to his Father. There's no formality here. He's bringing his hurts and his struggles before God. We pray confessionally, we also pray conversationally, and you see that in verse 39. This is a horrific time in the life of Jesus. He's about to be betrayed. He's sweating blood as he's thinking about the cup that from which he's about to drink and yet again we get this word abba we get this conversation between the first person of the trinity and the second person of the trinity and it is conversation Um, ben and i took a course last summer where we had to and ben's talked about this before but we had to do a Over the internet just kind of a time where we'd share and some of us are doing this in our small groups these five questions my small groups doing this you go through these five questions about what you see in the Word of God but also in that small group time we have with our professor he would say anytime you feel like you need to praise Jesus or speak to Jesus or confess before Jesus do it right there right then in front of the whole group so we're just sitting there talking about questions and all of a sudden some weirdo would start praying to Jesus That's weird. He's right there. Speak to him. Don't you love that story by Brennan Manning? All of us have heard that story about a young priest uh, uh, going in to see a man who was dying of cancer. And he went in to see him, and uh, the man didn't know him at that point, and said, who are you? He says, I'm the priest and one of the young priests from the parish. Oh, yeah, come in and talk with me. And uh, he, he noticed that the, the man had a chair pulled up right beside the bed. I mean, right there. He says, can I move this over? Do you need something? He says, no, I'm going to tell you, but you can't tell my daughter because she'll think I'm crazy. But somebody told me a couple of years ago, because I was struggling in my prayer life, somebody told me, just, just pray as though, look at, just find a chair, go pray, and pretend that Jesus is in the chair because Jesus will not leave you or forsake you. He's with you. And so you just pray as though he's right there. So I've pulled this chair up because I'm counting on Jesus to be with me in these days. And he's right here with me when I pray. But don't tell my daughter. She'll think I'm nuts. He didn't tell the daughter, but he, the young priest got the call a few days later from the daughter. Hey, I just wanted to let you know my dad had passed. He says the funniest thing, though. He said when they found him, he passed apparently peacefully. But it was the funniest thing. When they found him, he wasn't really just lying in his bed, but he had scooted over and his head was was, was lying on the arm of a chair. He's right there. He's with us. And so Jesus, in the reality of all that struggle, is just saying, Father, he's praying conversationally. We may not feel worthy of that. It's right for us to have right reverence. But reminded here, when we come to this table, when we come to the Lord in our prayers, We can come conversationally, knowing He is with us. And we also see in this prayer, this model in three different times, with three different prayers, this reminder again that we are to pray consistently. You see that in verse 39, 42, and 44. You follow the Gospels. Jesus' life is just prayer after prayer after prayer marks his life he basically begins this week this holy week by throwing people out of the temple because my father's house is to be known by what supposed to be a house of prayer he's just come from offering the lord's supper to his disciples which began by prayer here we find him praying even on his cross, on his way to his cross and on his cross, he's praying. This consistent prayer is a mark of his life. I would recommend Philip Yancey's book, Prayer, uh, to you. Sadly, in preparation for that book, he interviewed uh, 678 people, gave them this questionnaire to fill out. And out of that uh, a polling, he said only 23 people said, they spend enough time in prayer our Savior's life was marked by consistent prayer before before the selection of the twelve before the cross before any great moment it's prayer so in this season we need to find ourselves at our prayers for God to do a new and a fresh work a new calling in our life for however we'll serve and give to him it's always to be prayer and some of the best fruit comes out of consistent prayer. You remember that story in Luke 18 of a, of, of, of a, of a judge uh, pestered by a woman. Why? Uh, because of prayer. And Jesus here is going to his Father over and over again. God answers prayer sometimes like that. But so many times, real fruit comes because the people of God are consistently praying for others. My, my father-in-law has a heart for missions and a heart for unreached tribes of the world and he's gathered with other people through Wycliffe translators to be faithfully praying for decades now for people who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ and in this group they each take tribes not countries but specific tribes who are unreached people groups and they faithfully pray for decades for these people that they would know to know Christ one of his friends uh, decades ago, had begun to pray for this one tribe in Africa that had never heard the name of Jesus. So they started praying. They were given that tribe's name. And then five years later, another couple came alongside them, and they were given the name. And as they've added more prayer warriors to this ministry, five years after that, another couple came uh, to begin to pray for this tribe, that somebody in that tribe will hear the name of Jesus, and that tribe will be reached for Jesus Christ. And then they met him. They actually got to meet the one who came to Christ from that tribe because he showed up at their training center. And then they did the math. This man, 15 years prior, had left on the very month when people started praying for that tribe, he left that tribe. Ten year, uh, five years after that, when the second couple started praying to the month, that man came to saving faith in Jesus Christ and then to the month five years after that when the third couple started praying for this tribe he started seeking training so he could go back to his tribe and ended up coming to Wycliffe translators it's just consistent prayer how important it is for us to be faithful in that to be open in that and press through that for your kids for your grandkids you don't quit for that friend that's been breaking your heart for years, you don't quit. For that coworker, for whatever God's calling you to do and to be, you don't quit. What we see in Jesus' life here is consistent prayer. And then also, even here, even when he knows God in this sense is going to say no, in verses 39 and 42, he still prays confidently. Even when there is a no, or maybe when there's the answer of wait, or maybe we pray with confidence you remember Acts 12 Peter gets miraculously let out of prison and then he goes to the house uh, where they're praying for his release and he knocks on the door and they won't let him in first time in history it's easier to get out of prayer than it is to get into a prayer meeting they should have been hey I bet it's Peter why because that's what God does There should have been some expectancy here and knock at the door they should have been saying I bet you anything it's Peter but they're arguing over it Um, there should have been expectancy and for you and I we ought to pray confidently knowing that our God is a God who answers prayer and then lastly this verse thirty nine and forty two. What we see in Jesus's prayer, it's a great model for us, is that we are to pray uh, compliantly. That the heart of any prayer. Listen, there are times that we ought to. We routinely ask for Jesus even models this in His prayer, uh, to pray for ourselves. It's very few times you see Jesus praying for Himself, but this is one of those times. It's right to pray for ourselves, but whatever. I am asking for father I'm praying that it would be wrapped up in your will in your purposes and in your plan. So whatever I'm asking if I if I'm misguided in any way in that would you draw it into the center of your will? Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me from me nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want or what you will and that's to mark our prayers as we go through this season lord what would you have for me because for some of us the things he's going to call us to to stretch us uh, to work through us in new ways in our community or in missions around the world or in teaching or in volunteering that's a that's a nervous stretch and i don't want to do it in some ways but i want what you want and that's all we're to want I love the story that John Ed Matheson tells of a rowboat. When a rowboat got close to a pier, they threw the rope to the rowboat to pull it in, and the people of the rowboat did not pull the pier to themselves. <laughs> but they got their rowboat pulled to the pier. I love, I love that reminder to me. Um, if you throw Here's what he says. If you throw a rope to a rowboat a few feet away from a pier, the people in the boat don't pull the pier out to the boat. They pull the boat to the pier and in my prayers Lord am am I trying to pull you to me or am I allowing in those prayers for you to pull me closer to yourself but also closer to your to your will in Jesus prayer we see him being real before his father it's a confessional prayer it's conversation it's consistent it's confident and it's compliant how is it you and i need to hear this word to respond to it as we go through this season allowing god in our prayer life and our contemplation and our openness to allow him to work to do whatever he wills in and through his people of god here this prayer is shared three times and then they would arrest our savior and then they would try him throughout the night in the morning and then they would take him to his cross where he would give himself for us. And we share in that grace this morning as we share in this meal. And so, hear the invitation that Christ invites to this, his table, all who love him and all who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. On the night in which Christ was betrayed, we remember that he took bread gave thanks to God, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray together. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.